Thank you for downloading the Grove City Vineyard Sermon Podcast. Enjoy today's message. Welcome everyone. Just, just by way of curiosity, how many of you are brave enough to admit that you've already given up on your New Year's resolutions? Anyone here? You made a couple, okay, a few. How many of you are brave enough to admit you didn't even make a New Year's resolution because you thought, I, I've been to this rodeo before, right? I, yeah, yeah. I don't know which group I'm more proud of. I don't know. I don't know. Well, here, here on the front end, I, I need to, to apologize for, for a couple of things. As, as Pastor Chase shared, uh, our senior pastor, Tom, is unfortunately sick. He's, he's doing okay. He just lost his voice, and so that makes preaching a little difficult, we found, when you can't speak. And, and so I, I'm going to be pinch-hitting this morning, which means that, that we don't have outlines for you guys. That's why... Um, they're not in the back, and then we're not going to have slides available this morning, so we're going to have to actually get out your Bible. So if you brought one, that's a great thing. I know. And if you have your, your phone and you can trust yourself not to look at Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, then, uh, then you can get that out as well. And, and you know, if you've been around for a while, as I almost fall off the steps, it almost happens every week. I, I just, I do it to keep you guys praying, really. I got front rowers praying for me every week because they see these little toes creep out there. And I just got people interceding for me the whole service. But, you, you know, if you've been around for a while, you know that I, I like to come up with my cute little points and, you know, the worship of God or the works of God or the wealth of God and, and have my alliteration. But this isn't that kind of sermon, okay? So, so we're going to be in this together. You guys are going to hear a different sermon that I preached an hour and a half ago We're going to go for it together. And you know, I I think these are moments when the Lord loves to show up, don't you? Where we're just saying, hey, all we got is you, Lord. All we got is you. So we need you to show up. So this is one of those moments where it's probably good to pray, right? So why don't we pray? Why don't we pray? Hmm. And in all, all seriousness, Lord, we do recognize that we need you, that that I need you right now. And I, I thank you, Father, that, that your power is so much more significant than any neat and tidy outline, God, than any amount of sermon prep could, could amount to. And so we, we trust that you're here, and I ask that you would right now fill me with your Holy Spirit, that you would fill me with power, We invite your spirit to come and move in this place. We thank you that you're here, but we pray for even even more of your presence. Would you touch hearts today, God? Would you encourage those who need encouragement? Would you give wisdom where it is needed? Would you bring conviction where it is needed in your kindness? Please come and be with us. We need you today, God. We do not want to start this new year without you, Jesus. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we are going to be in Matthew 13. Matthew 13. So I hope you brought your Bible. Matthew 13. We're going to be in verse 43 to start out. Verse 44, excuse me. Verse 44. Matthew 13, verse 44. First book in the the New Testament, about two-thirds of the way back in your Bible. All right. Page 889 on mine, so that probably means nothing to you. All right, here we go. This is Jesus speaking, and he's, and he's telling two parables, stories that, that illustrate a kingdom truth. 
And so he's telling two parables, and this is what we read. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Amen. I love these parables. I love these parables of Jesus. Jesus says to us, do you you want to know what the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is like? Do you want to know what it's like to to walk with me as your Savior? To know your, your Father in heaven as one who loves you, as one who calls you his child. Do you want to know what it's like to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to be sent on mission by Jesus, to, to be a member, in other words, of, of the kingdom of heaven? Do you want to know what it's like? Then he tells two stories, and he says that to, to discover the kingdom of heaven, to discover this relationship with Jesus is like, is like working in a field and then stumbling upon a magnificent treasure. It's what it's like. Or he said it's like being a merchant who's, who's looking at wares in a marketplace and then finding a pearl that is so pristine, that is so beautiful that you sell everything in order to possess it. He's like, that's what it's like to find me. That's what it's like to enter the kingdom of God. Now, what's interesting about these these two characters that we find in these two different parables is that they stumble into the kingdom in two different ways. And so the, the, the first man that we're introduced to who is who's working in a field, he was not looking for the treasure. He, he was not. He, he, was, he was simply working in this field, He's probably working for the owner. He was plowing or doing planting, whatever he was doing. And then he stumbled upon this treasure. And, and, and this is not as... This is not as far-fetched as it might sound because back in the day, they didn't have banks. They didn't have credit unions. And so when you needed to save some money, you, you, put, it, you put it often in the ground where it could be kept safe, where only you knew where it was. But if you died off, if you went off to war and got yourself killed, well, then that, that money, that treasure might stay buried. This first, this first man from the parable, he was not looking for the treasure and maybe you're here today and, and you would say, you know, I, I wasn't looking for God at all. That, that was my story. I, I was not looking for God at all. And yet, in God's infinite grace and mercy, some of you here might say, God just pursued me and wooed me and won me over. And I discovered this treasure I didn't even know I needed. Others of you who might be here today, and you might say, no, I'm not looking for anything. I'm content with my life. I'm content with my lot. Life is going pretty well. But I I want you to know one of the reasons that I I believe that you're in this building today, even if you were dragged here by a spouse or a, a parent who's aimed at setting some new resolutions and getting the family to church, I want you to know that, that often it is the people who are not looking for the kingdom that find it. That, that perhaps today even Jesus might, might just show up in your life. And then the second man was a man who was, who was looking for pearls. He was looking for pearls. And, and some of you... You know, might be looking for Jesus. Maybe, maybe you've been walking him with him for a long time, and yet your relationship with the Lord feels dry right now. It just feels 
like you're going through the motions. And I believe that, that today, for, for some of you, that you might find fresh wind and fresh joy and fresh peace from Jesus. I, I just have two points today. And here's my first point. That here's what we, we find that these, that these stories illustrate. Number one, the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who recognize its infinite worth. The kingdom of heaven belongs to those who recognize its infinite worth. Let's read verse 44 again. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Kingdom of heaven belongs to those who, who would say, to know Jesus, to know my Father in heaven, to know that, that the Holy Spirit is always within me, that this is the greatest joy in my life, this is the greatest treasure in my life, this is my greatest delight. You know, when, whenever we come to the beginning of a new year, the focus for most of us is, is on how we can improve ourselves, right? How, how we can, you know, hit the gym more often or how, how we can be kinder to our spouse or how we can, can begin reading our Bible again or how we can take a few pounds off. I mean, I mean this is our focus. And, and those are healthy pursuits. Those are good things to run after. But, you know, I, I don't want to be a, just a better version of myself because I, I don't think I'm particularly great. I, I, I just don't want to be a better version of me. As I, I think about this next year, the, the desire of my heart is that I might learn even more how to treasure Jesus. That, that, that's what I want for myself. That, that's the gauge that I, I, I want to look to when I'm thinking about how am I doing. You, you know, it's just easy if you've been walking with the Lord for a while to, to kind of find these checkboxes that, that determine in your head whether or not you're you're doing well with the Lord, right? So am, am, I, am I reading my Bible ever so often? Or am I in community? Or am I serving so often? But, you know, moving forward, the gauge that, that I want to look to when I think about how is, how is Christian Root doing in terms of his walk with Jesus is this. Am I delighting? Am I delighting in Jesus? Is he my greatest joy? Is he my greatest focus? Is he the, the one who gets me out of bed in the morning? Is he my treasure? Friends, is, is Jesus your treasure? Because that's what, this, that's what these parables are really about. The, he, Jesus isn't saying the kingdom of God is doing A and then B and C. The kingdom of God, he said, is delighting in me. He, he says, what is it like to receive the kingdom? It's, it's to make me your treasure. It's to make the Father your treasure. To make the Holy Spirit the, the most wonderful part of your life. Are you delighting in Jesus this morning? Is he your treasure? You know, I've shared many times that uh, I did not grow up in the church, um, even though my name is Christian and I'm a pastor. These, these are things we can talk about in another day. But I, I did not grow up a follower of Jesus, and I went to Ohio State University, the Ohio State University, because I wanted to join a frat and I wanted to go to football games, and that felt like a good school to do that, which, yeah. And yet I met Jesus there. I met Jesus there. And, and you know, I, I like to think back to, to that 
day to that season in my life off, and it was, it was 13 years ago now. I was 20 at the time, and, and some of you guys right now are like, that dude's 33. He looks 19. He's like trying to grow this pseudo beard. Like I, I thought the youth group was speaking today, but that's okay. But I, I like to think often about, about those days because, you know, I remember so clearly what it was like to accept Jesus. And I remember, church, that, that when I said, Jesus, I want, I want to be your follower. I want you to be my Savior. I, I came to him with no qualifications. I, I did not say, Jesus, you know, I want you to be my Savior. But, but to tell you the truth, I want all of my relationships for the next 20 years to be really healthy. I, I want my relationship with my parents, with my brother, with my, my spouse, with my friends. with every, I, I want them to be absolutely healthy. I, I didn't make that qualification. I, I didn't say, Jesus, I, I'm going to follow you, but I want you to keep me really healthy all of the time. I want my finances to always look great. I want to get great sleep. I want to have a job that's fulfilling. Th- these were not qualifications that I made. When I came to Jesus, I, I just said, I want to follow you. I want to follow you. I want to live for you. I delight in you because I believe that you have forgiven me. And if you can remember your, your conversion moment, you can remember praying in, the, in someone's the, the backseat of their car or praying in someone's backyard or praying at a church or, or talking to a friend or listening to a, a sermon online and giving your heart to Jesus. If you can remember that moment, I, I would imagine you gave no qualifications to the Lord as well. You said, Jesus, I, I just want to follow you. You are my treasure. That is it. But it is amazing, friends, that the longer we follow Jesus, the more and more these qualifications, they just begin to creep into our walk with Jesus. Jesus, I, I want to follow you, but I, I just want you to know I need all of my relationships to be really healthy. Otherwise, I'm going to pull back from you. I'm going to hold a grudge against you, and I'm going to question your faithfulness. Jesus, I, I want to follow you, but if I really struggle with my health, I mean long-term health problems, I'm going to question whether you love me, and I'm going to pull back. Friend, we are, we, we are called to delight in Jesus. When our health is good and when our health is poor. When everything is going well in our family and when everything's hitting the fan. When we love our job and when it's going well and, and when we're fired or laid off or we're tr- trying to grind our way through each day without quitting. The goal of your heart, the goal of my heart, church, should be to treasure Jesus, to treasure the Father, to treasure the fact that the Holy Spirit dwells within us without qualifications. And you know, church, one of the reasons I, I treasure Jesus, there's so many. I, I was asked recently, like, what's, what's your favorite thing about Jesus? I, I mean, how do, you, how do you answer a question like that? What is my favorite thing about Jesus? He is everything. He is my joy. He is my peace. He is my delight. But one of the things that I, I love about Jesus is, is that if you're wired like me, not everybody is, but if you're wired like me where you just feel guilty all of the time, it is so incredibly, incredibly amazing. It is such a gift to know that every sin that, that you partake in is covered by the blood of Jesus. 
that every time my junk rises to the surface, that every time I'm short with someone, every time I'm selfish and, and, and self-involved and, and just trying to, to do my own thing, that those sins are covered by the blood of Jesus. You have no idea what that means to someone who struggles with guilt. You know, the Bible says that, that not only does, does God forgive our sins, but that our sins are thrown into the ocean. And what that means is that, that not only are sins forgiven in a legal sense, which they are through the blood of Jesus who died in our place on the cross and took our punishment upon himself, But because our sins are thrown into the ocean, our sins are forgotten by the Father. He doesn't even remember them. He's not even holding them over our head so he can beat us in an argument two months down the road, right? He he has forgotten our sins. Do you have any idea how amazing, how wonderful, how how precious it is for someone who feels guilty for, for not feeling guilty, which is kind of my default. When I don't feel guilty, I feel guilty for not feeling guilty. That, that maybe I've gotten prideful or maybe I'm just overlooking something in my life. That maybe, maybe I'm just so biased. I, I mean, that's just the way that I'm wired. Some of you are like that. You have no idea what it is like for a person wired like me to know that I know that every single sin I've committed in the past, every single sin that I will commit in the future is covered and paid for by the blood of Jesus. And friends, there are people walking around us all day, every day, at our jobs, in our workplaces, who do not know this blessed relief of forgiveness. And whether they would admit it or not, they are covered in shame. They are covered or wrecked with guilt. Trying desperately to just push it down and push it down and push it down out of sight, out of mind, so that it manifests itself in all sorts of of different ways. This is such a gift, friend. And if you've been walking with Jesus for, for a while and you have forgotten what it is like to sit with the, the heavy hand of guilt or shame on your life, we, we need to recognize again what a treasure it is that we have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus. I don't have to walk around and, and just sit with all the stupid things that I've done. Friend, what, what should your goal be in this next year? What should my goal be? Lord, would you help me to treasure you as I should? Yes, I want to do the right things. Yes, I want to show up. Yes, I want to be with you. But I want to treasure you. I want to treasure you. The kingdom of heaven belongs to those who recognize its infinite worth. And secondly, these parables teach us that the kingdom of heaven is worth selling everything for. Let's read both verses or all three verses again. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had. Didn't sell half his stuff. Didn't sell a quarter of it. He sold everything he had and bought it. You know, how, 
How precious would something have to be for you to sell everything you own to obtain it? Give away your, or sell your car, sell your house, your condo, your, sell all your clothes, sell your phone, sell your computer, liquidate all your assets, get rid of your 401k. I, I mean, how, how precious would something have to be for you to get rid of everything? Everything except maybe the shirt on your back and you know, your glasses, I don't know. Jesus is saying, I am worth giving everything for. That if you give away everything that you have, you will still find in me someone who is more precious than all of your possessions combined. And I love that the the man in this parable, the, the first man, found such a treasure that in his joy he sold it all. It wasn't compulsive. It wasn't like, well, this is an angry, capricious God who probably wants all my stuff, so I'm going to give it to him. No, in his joy, he recognized that the the treasure he found was worth infinitely more than, than his meager amount of belongings. Friends, Jesus is worth giving everything for. And, and you know, it's really easy to to give away everything or to surrender everything to Jesus in the abstract, right? To say, to say things like, yeah, Jesus, I, I, I want to lay down my life for you. All of it, it's yours. All of it, it's yours. But it's much harder when Jesus comes into your life and asks you for concrete things. That he points at this thing or that thing and says, I, I want this. I've given it to you. The only reason you have it is because it's from me, and now I'm asking for it back because it's, it's getting in the way of your relationship with me. That, that is a much harder thing to comply to. But Jesus says, do you, want, do you want to know what it's like to walk in my kingdom? Do you want to know what it's like to be my follower? It's to know that I'm worth selling everything for. And, and you know, when I, I think when Jesus looks at our desires, he just finds them so, so small and short-sighted. You know, Jesus isn't coming to us and saying, hey, I want your stuff. Hey, I want your time. Hey, I want your money because... Uh, again, I'm this angry God that, that has no, nothing else to do, that I got a lot of time on my hands, and so I'm going to bug you till you give me what I want. Jesus looks at our desires, and he says, these are so paltry and small compared to all that I want to do. I have so much more joy for you than, than you're willing to see in this moment, that, that you are willing to give yourself over to NFL ticket or, or shopping sprees at Nordstrom's when I have a life of joy and peace and delight if you would just trade these things in for me. You know, honestly, guys, I'm not guaranteed to get through this sermon. I I don't know how many years I got or how many years you got, but what I do know for sure is that all of us only have 70, 80, 90 years, right? I I mean, that's it. 
Some of us got, got some more time, some of us not so much, but that's, that's all that we're getting. And so when I read a passage like this, I, I feel like Jesus is trying to grab us by the shirt collar and say, look, do not waste your 60, your 70, your 80 years just chasing meaningless things, just chasing the wind. We give ourselves over to things that mean nothing. One little scroll of our Facebook feed or one little scroll of our Instagram feed at a time. We just give our attention and our, our affections over to things that mean nothing. And Jesus is saying to us, look, look, look. I have so much more for you in this next year. I have so much more joy for you, so much more peace, so much more meaning in your life. But if you continue to try to do the same things, if you continue to try to hold on to your same habits, like you're just not going to experience all that I have for you. The kingdom of heaven is worth selling everything for because it's so much better. It's the life that God has designed for you. You know, I, I've said this before in a previous talk, but the scariest thing that you or I could do would be to do a time study in, in which we were to examine each of our days hour by hour and, and just see how much time we spend on things that is just stupid, that's just meaningless. I, I recently learned that, that, that the average American spends six months of their life at a red light. And while something like that is unavoidable, right? I, I mean, you, you got to get to work. You got to get to Kroger, wherever you're headed. If we spend six months of our lives at a traffic light, I, I would hate to think how much of our life we spend in front of some 50-inch or 60-inch TV watching meaningless shows, watching football games we don't care about, right? So Jesus comes to us in this parable and he says, look, I have so much more for you. I have so much more for you. But if you want to walk in my joy, if you want to walk in my peace, if you want to know me like a friend, like a brother, then you have to be willing to come before me and say, anything that you want, you can have, Jesus. Anything that you want, you can have. And we give it up joyfully because, of course, we know that it's worth far more to be with Jesus, to know Jesus, to follow him, to hear his voice, to hear his direction, than to pursue these meaningless things that somehow we've convinced ourselves we need. kingdom of heaven is worth selling everything for. And you know, even right now, you might even consider just, just taking some time and asking the Lord, is there anything in my life, Lord, that I'm just withholding from you? Anything in my life that, that you're trying to grab, but I just don't want to give you because I do not trust that you're better than this thing. I don't want to give you my work hours. I don't want to work less hours, Jesus, so that I have more time for you because I am dead set on getting all the overtime I can. What is the Lord asking of you? What, what is the Lord 
inviting you to give him. People who walk in the kingdom, church, are those who recognize, who those who understand that Jesus is worth infinitely more. He just is. It's almost as if in, in these parables, Jesus is saying, I just want you to try me on this. Just try me on this. Just give me all of yourself and see if I do not show you that I am so much better than, than the meaningless, trivial pursuits that, that you've been running after. It's like Jesus is saying, just try me on this. Just try me and find that I am so far above and beyond, so much greater, so much, so much more fulfilling than what you've been running after. Jesus says to us, what is it like to discover the kingdom of heaven? What is it like to walk in my presence? It's like finding treasure. It's like finding treasure that gives joy and that gives delight all the days of our lives. And he says that when you find this treasure, when you've really found it, you will recognize that everything else pales in comparison. That everything else is, is worth getting rid of if it, if it blocks our ability to connect with Jesus. That's my desire for you. That's my desire for me this next year, church, is that we might learn to delight in Jesus. That he might be our treasure. Why don't we stand? The way I want to close our, our time today is I, I just want to create a chance for some of us to respond. The first group I'd love to respond are, are those who would say that I, I know that I, I, I know that I, I, I'm not making Jesus my treasure like I want to. And, and you recognize that you can't just white knuckle your way into treasuring Jesus. You can't just force it or make it happen that it has to be him softening your heart. It has to be him changing you. And by coming forward, you're, you're just saying, Jesus, th this is my attempt to, to reach out to you in the hopes that you would soften my heart, in the hopes that you would open up my eyes, that I might delight in you afresh. And so if that's you, in just a second, I'm going to invite you to come forward. We're not going to have anyone pray for you today. It's just a chance for you to do business with Jesus yourself. It's a chance for you to say, this morning, right now, Jesus, I recognize that, that you, you do not hold the place in my heart that I desire. And while I can't force it, I can't make it happen, I'm coming before you and I'm asking, would you light me on fire for you again? Would you take me back to that place of first love again? Would you fill my heart with desire for you again? And so again, if that's you, in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come forward. And secondly, I'd love to invite forward those of you who you just, you know God is putting a finger on something that he wants from you. Again, not because he's a capricious, angry God. He just enjoys stealing away your fun. But because you recognize, no, this is a real barrier. And while Jesus isn't asking me to give everything, he's not asking me to sell all of my possessions, he is asking me to bring this to him. 
And if that's where you're at this morning, again, I just want to invite you to come forward as a way of, of just saying to Jesus, I, I'm ready. I'm ready to give this to you. It's time. So if either of those groups connect with you, I'm just going to invite you even now to begin coming forward. You know, all of us have been here for longer than three months. All of us find our way up here eventually. Maybe it's the day for you.